Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Take a trip on the canal if you want to have fun. Hello ladies and gents, and welcome to another episode of Acting Inspired with me, Lewis Goodyear. Recording this at 11am, hopefully it will be out by half past, I doubt it! But, uh, I had a, a long day yesterday, I worked all day, and then I went to watch Section 2 again at the Bunker Theatre that I talked about, talked about last week. And uh, then hosted the post-show talk afterwards, which was very insightful, very interesting, very inspiring, so it fits. Again, I've woke up with horrendous hay fever, so I think it's it's maybe I've like got this nervous association with doing the podcast and I'm having a runny nose now, because it seems that every time I do this, I sound so much more nasal than the previous time, and I'm going to have to blow my nose now. Great. Nice. Anyway, um, so hosted the post show talk last night. That was amazing. Uh, really interesting to to speak to people and ask the questions that that you sometimes yeah don't get the opportunity to ask. Um, so that was really cool, and I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I was terrified. Uh, John must have been very annoyed with me because I kept texting him and calling him going shit am I asking the right things am I doing this right am I doing that am I doing this and what I might do is I I recorded the post show talk on my phone because uh, I realized just before we started recording that there wasn't enough space on my recording device so I recorded it on my phone John also Facebook lived it and I assume he's going to stick that on on uh, the paper creatures Facebook page or Something like that on the Twitter page, I imagine, or something. So you can see it there. But what I might do is put the uh, the, the copy that I recorded on my phone at the end of this podcast just to give people an idea of what it was like. And uh, and then you can come along, if you like, to see the, the next post-show talk, which will be on the 3rd of July. Uh, is that right? Yeah, the 3rd of July. Uh, show starts at 8.30. The post-show talk will be after that for about 20 minutes or so. Uh yeah, so come and ask some questions. We'll be speaking to some of the actors, uh, the writer, someone who has had experience with being sectioned. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a uh, a great opportunity to to kind of ask some questions about something that isn't uh, that 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 is uh, has been kind of tabooy to to ask about and talk about. Um, so yeah, come on down, 3rd of July, the show is great as well, I don't need to tell you again, it's really, really good, um, I enjoy it, I have enjoyed it twice now, and will do a third time, I'm sure, uh, but yeah, congratulations to those guys. In terms of me, I, uh, and I can't do this, 
my show that I'm taking to Edinburgh that I almost forgot about that I did in Plymouth a couple of weeks ago and basically haven't really thought about since, which is terrible. Apologies for the sniff. Um, yeah, it's terrible. I, 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 it really affected me quite weirdly, that show. Uh, I don't know why. It was good. People enjoyed it. I rushed through it, and there were certain parts of it that... that maybe it was because it was a more realistic audience. It was more people who I don't know, and people who are not used to that kind of weird shit going down on a stage. Um, but it gave me an idea of the kind of, of what I need to do with some some of it, and realize the work that I have to do on it and uh, I've kind of shied away from that so far since I've been back which is not good Uh, but we've been concentrating on trying to raise funds to go to Edinburgh and so we've been doing some like fundraising videos and we're organizing a fundraiser for uh, the 9th of July at the Star of Kings Kings Cross oh god this nasality So come on down to that and uh, help us raise a bit of dough. If anyone out there is in a, in a in a financial position to be able to support us and, and help us get our asses up to Edinburgh, check out our, which I will, I will share our Indiegogo page through the Acting Inspired page. If you can, chuck us a quid or two. That would be sick. Um, thank you very much in advance. And there's lots of cool sort of things you can get in return for your, your hard-earned dollar-dollar bills, y'all. Uh, but yeah, so basically it's been a... I've been working as much as I can to try and, you know, help with the funds before I head up. Um, and that's good because I've been working a lot and I hopefully am, am getting somewhere with it, with the financial side of things. I've been doing some admin stuff and trying to work out how to get people to come and see a show at Edinburgh. Uh, I understand that there's going to be, you know, flyering, the flyering situation and uh, getting involved in the day-to-day kind of get people along kind of situation stuff. I don't know what, I keep saying, you know, when you cling on to a word for a little while, situation has been flying about my vocab for... A wee while now, a good few days, keep saying situation, and now I'm starting to notice it as well, which is really fucking annoying. God damn you. Anyway, fuck, god damn it, what can I do to stop this? Doesn't matter, calm down. Okay. So, uh, now I've lost my train of thought. So, I was, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, we've been working on the funding stuff. I, oh yeah, flyer and stuff. Um, and then trying to work out sort of the best way to create a buzz about the show, which is also, in order to do that, to just create a fucking good show. So, and in order to do that, I need to do more nights. A lot of the shows that I have done with this kind of work now have all been through people I know, uh, the Hot Air Baboon stuff, which I'm a part of, 
um, friends who run nights. You know, I think I need to... Maybe I need to... I uh, say maybe because I'm scared. But maybe I need to venture out and get... Just maybe do like a secret gig where I don't tell anyone. And I just find... Well, I mean, you know, I, I don't tell anyone I know. And, uh, and I find a spot to do a gig at and see how it goes down with no one around. With no help or assistance. I think it may be good to do that. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, how do you get people to come along? I mean, you fly while you're there. Do you pay through the fucking nose for advertising, for posters to be up in certain places and, and whatever? Do you do you just... Is it is flyering enough? Hiring a team of people to go out and flyer for you? Is that enough? Uh, what can you do here? I'm, I'm asking these questions because I don't fully know. So, I, I, you know, I guess it's a case of inviting, sending the press packets out to media people. That's one thing that I've had to learn about uh, that I'm not sure if I've spoken about much on the podcast, talked about much on the podcast. Um, but this this sort of press packet, putting together like a press release, which is just like for the purpose of me and this show is just an A4 page with the details of the show uh, a bit about it, a bit about me and a bit about what you can expect and then sending that out to the appropriate people uh, not just to everyone but maybe I could send that to not just press people but like yeah. oh I wrote to a theatre down in Devon um, that got back to me yesterday about coming to see the show in Edinburgh so that's good uh, yeah I think now it's just a case of of well, for me, it's a case of now making sure the show is on point and then getting people to come and working out how that works and working out how to do that with as little cost as possible. There's a lot... I know that Edinburgh is not... It's not a money-maker situation. It's not a situation. Um, it's not... Uh, you don't go to Edinburgh Festival to make money. Uh, but there is such a negative vibe about it, actually, from, you know, everyone who's got... And it's through experience. I'm not, not knocking what people know, because I don't. I haven't performed there before. But there is just this overwhelming sort of like, yeah, prepare to fail, prepare to suck, prepare to fucking... And it's a shame, man, because it just make, it kind of deflates you before you've even gone. Whereas, you know, go with a, you know, maybe try going with a more open, positive mind and, and yeah, it might not go that well, but maybe it fucking will. Who knows? If you write a good enough show... I don't know. I'm talking shit now. I'm sniffing down the microphone. So sorry. Um, yeah, so, I don't know, I'm, 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 it's a weird week, I'm, I've been working hard to make the money, but then I feel like I've neglected the show, and I'm pissed off at myself because I haven't put enough work into the show, but I haven't had enough time to put work into the show because I've been at work, so basically I'm just, I'm ranting about fucking nothing, because there's not, not a lot I can do about any of it, um, until I finish this podcast and I don't start work until 5 so I can do some fucking solid work on that then, but then tomorrow I've got to drive back down to Devon to fucking, no, anyway, doesn't matter that's all irrelevant so it's all good um things are good i feel positive i feel in a good mood doing this post-show talk last night was quite a, a an interesting thing for me because i think before it would have been something that really really shit me up um but i think since doing sort of comedy trying some stand-up stuff doing my 
my show on my own, two people in a bunch of different environments, has given me this kind of fearlessness that I needed desperately. It's all very well doing a show, you know, that's directed, written and whatever by someone else. That I don't seem to have any kind of fear issue with. Nerves, obviously, but no, like, fear. When I first started doing the stand-up and the and the, the comedy stuff, that was, like, intense fear. And I still get freaked out when I'm doing it, but now it's more nerves, like every other thing that I've done. And last night, I was thinking, fuck, this is a scary thing. This is where I normally feel fear. And, again, I had, like, the usual nerves. I'm sitting in front of a, a bunch of people hosting something so it's sketchy but like yeah but actually it was all right I just sat there there's this element of sort of just got to crack on you know do it just do it Nike uh yeah that's it right I'll stick the post show talk on the end of this and uh you can you can have a listen and it might not be the best quality you can also watch it on John's uh, on the Paper Creatures Facebook page, I imagine. But make sure you get down to the Bunker Theatre. Um, I'll be there on the 9th of July. Like I'll say it again, their show is running every Tuesday and Friday for, uh, at 8.30 at the Bunker Theatre. There's a cool place next door called the Flat Iron Square where you can sit and, I don't know, drink beers and watch the World Cup if that's something you feel the need to do. Um, I got into a fight last night. <laughs> Snot bags. Going to a fight last night at that bar with some football dickhead. Ugh, so much aggression around football. It's disgusting. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> end on such a fucking negative note. I didn't get into an actual fight. No, no fists were thrown. Just harsh words. Back and forth until one stopped. <laughs> that probably shook me up more than the post-show talk. Anyway, um, I'll stick the post-show talk on the end of this. Peace and love, ladies and gents. No fight in here. Come on, please. Uh, especially not over a bunch of blokes kicking a fucking ball around. Um, uh, 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 cause you had too many beers and your team's not winning. Uh, I'm not bitter. That is it, ladies and gentlemen. I will speak to you next week. uh, And hopefully I have more to report in terms of Edinburgh and where I'm at with that. But I think, basically, I think I'm further than I thought I was. And I've been doing more than I give myself credit for. So, I think part of the key is to give yourself a little pat on the back and go, you got this, dude. Keep going. Rather than, oh my god, I haven't done this, I haven't done that, I haven't done this. Like, I emailed one of the... Sorry, I'm going back into it now. But I emailed one of the production t- team for this venue that I'm at the other day. And I was like, I feel like this is really late and I haven't spoke to you enough. And I asked all these questions. And then she was like, this is the perfect time to ask all those questions. Don't worry about it. You're cool. And I was like, all right, yeah, maybe I am cool. So, Lewis, you're cool. Anyone else taking shows to Edinburgh? You're cool. Just a uh, little bit by bit, innit? Not not long to go now, but, you know, a uh, little bit by bit. Have fun with it. Ladies and gentlemen, I love you. Goodbye. My nose is about to fall off. Peace and love. Have a good week. I'll speak to you soon. Paper Creatures, 8.30 on Tuesdays and Fridays. 
uh, till the, like the 6th of July. Come on down. Big love. Goodbye. Hey there. Uh, my name is Lewis Goody. Uh, I, uh, hey, how's it going? Hi. <laughs> um, I, uh, I would just quickly say that I um, met John and Nathan not too long ago. Um, I host a podcast called Acting Inspired, and they, they called me because and, and, uh, I talk to creatives who inspire people. And uh, these guys certainly have. Um, with everything they've done, and this specifically as well, um, is a, such a, a great play. And, and so, congratulations to John and Nathan and to everyone involved in the show. Um, yeah, congratulations on a great piece of work. Um, so, we'll get straight into this. First of all, do people want to sort of introduce themselves and, and say who you are and, and what your role is in this uh, situation? Well, I'm Georgie, and I directed. Um, so I'm Ali Kerry, I'm the Head of Media at Mind Mental Health Charity and um, my, some of my team helped work on the consulting on the script and um, get some advice. Um, I'm Carl Marks and I'm part of the team, I, I, I consulted on the script and things like that. Um, I was sectioned in 2016 so um, yeah, I, I just consulted on the script. That's good. Lewis? I'm Nathan, Nathan. Um, class is director of Paper Creatures Theatre. Esme and Cool. So, thank you guys. Um, first of all, I'd, uh, I'd like to talk to you, Ali, um, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, we, we just spoke just now, and, and one of the things that didn't actually occur to me before doing this was the, the name sectioning, like where that comes from and, and, and how, you know, it's this kind of mysterious, scary word that kind of freaks us out. Um, or not freaks us out, but it creates... Sort of, it seems mysterious to us. It's this this big taboo thing. So, can you tell us what, where that comes from, and what sectioning actually is, or what it? Yeah, so, um, so sectioning is actually referring to a section of the Mental Health Act, which is a piece of legislation, which is an incredibly powerful piece of legislation, which can be used to um, basically to, to detain you in hospital um, as, as a mental health patient. And so, section two, the name obviously yeah. of the production. So just pause. Are we able to turn the fans off? I know it's quite hot, but I just figured that people in the back might not be able to hear. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Sorry. I don't know how to project. Like yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it is so bright. <laughs> <laughs> how do you do it? <laughs> I'll ask that later. Yeah. Um, okay, well, are we... Yeah, we'll just give it a... We'll give it a second. Sorry. Freeze frame. <laughs> Oh, it's, it might not be the easiest thing. Yeah. Oh, really? No, no, it is, it is. They do. Just carry on. Okay. Just carry on. Should we just carry yeah, on? Carry yeah. on. Yeah. 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 Um So, uh, another thing that I wanted to ask you is, is I have only really heard of mind in the last few years. It's only something that's, that's come into the forefront of my mind in the last few years. Um, and I wondered, watching this play, what kind of role a charity like mind has uh, in the process of, uh, you know, when someone is sectioned, uh, when someone is detained in a place like this, what kind of role does mind play in that situation? Well, I'm glad you've heard of us now, but we've actually been going for about 70 years. Yeah, so, you know, Mind's a really well-established charity, but um, uh, sort of established around the same time as the start of the NHS, which is also 70 years. But, um, 
uh, mental health, I think, is a lot more in the public consciousness now than it has ever been, and that's for lots of different reasons. But one of the reasons, I think, is the media is actually now starting to show mental health and show mental health in perhaps not the stigmatising way that it used to, and is actually now starting to, to show the reality of living with a mental health problem. And, you know, whether it's soap storylines or in films or dramas, we're starting to see more of mental health. And really importantly, we're starting to see more people like Carl having their opinion out there and, and being on the news and getting to tell their story. And that's probably one of the things that's starting to make that shift in the public consciousness around mental health. Great. And, and do you think, like, theatre and film and TV's only role is to kind of raise awareness? Like, how else can, can this kind of thing help? Is it, is it just a case of raising awareness or... I, I, well, I guess with post-show talks and things, it's, it's starting the conversation and, and we're able to do that. But is, there, is that the only kind of avenue there is for it, or do you think there's more to it? Um, well, I mean, it's, it's so powerful to, um, to, to see mental health in, in the media, in, in any kind of form. But we know when, I don't know, when there's something on TV about mental health, we'll see more, more calls to our info line, or we'll have more hits on our website, people right. looking for information. And so it's not just having a conversation, but it's actually people then take action. Um, and obviously one of the characters in, in the play was the girlfriend character who, who was carrying a lot of sort of stigma and misunderstanding about yeah. mental health. And so if the media and, and art and culture can do anything, I hope that that is to try and break down some of those myths and stereotypes about mental health. Yeah, great. Cool. Thank you very much. Um, Carl, this is Carl Knight. Um, as you said before, and if anyone's seen the sort of uh, the, the Paper Creatures films that they did prior to the play... Um, w- you mentioned that you, you were sectioned in 2016. Oh, indeed, yeah. um, I wondered if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about the sort of lead up to that point. Sure. Um, what it was that kind of got you to this place of then being detained. Sure. Um, essentially, a thumbnail sketches. I'd had depressions since I was 14. And yeah. Took the very sort of silly masculine response of not really doing a lot about it, thinking, oh, I'll just pull my socks up and it'll all be good and then, you know, spo- spoiler alert that doesn't work um, so, yeah, so um, and then this sort of attitude progressed through my life until I got at um, uh, uni, my first year of uni I had a very severe depression um, and I reacted to it very badly I was drinking a great deal, which not not advisable as well <laughs> um, and then uh Eventually, my particular uni has a campus security service, and um, I just wasn't in a great state. And then they had the wherewithal to say, "This isn't just a drunk student who's just, you know, having a bit of an emotional flood. It's something a bit more." So then the security service called the police, and then the police had the wherewithal as well to to see what was really going on. And then uh, the police took me to a uh, section 136 unit which is like an, a unit where um, you're assessed um, within a set amount of hours to see if you need to be sectioned or not. So you're kind of put on your own and, and, and watched effectively? Essentially uh, yeah, pretty much yeah. Um, but it's, a very, it's for a very short period of time I think the maximum it can be is like two days or right. three days max um, and then, to, to nobody's shock, the, the assessment team said, yeah, you need to go to the task force. And I readily accepted. 
You, re- you readily accept it? Oh, yeah, hugely. Because it, it feels... It, it, uh, obviously, I, I haven't experienced it, but I imagine it to be something that's terrifying and scary, but you, you no, do... No, it, yeah. it was the exact reverse. It was the exact <laughs> reverse of where I was before being sectioned was utterly mortifying and terrifying. Right, yeah. Whereas being sectioned was the best thing that happened to me. Yeah, because you talk about that's in the not. film as well that it was a, a... You had quite a good experience there yeah, and you yeah. felt a real camaraderie with everyone who was there as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, so it's definitely... And obviously you're, you're sat here now talking with yeah. us. So, you know, it's yeah, obviously yeah. had a, a, a good effect on you. Yeah, um, yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. Um, Georgia, I'd like to speak to you now, if, uh, if you wouldn't mind. Um, obviously, uh, first of all, like, what, when you're approached with a play like this at a time like now, 2018, it's a sensitive time at the moment, um, what are your first thoughts when you're presented with a play like Section 2? Is it, are you, what are your concerns? Yeah, well, I guess... We're only presented with the first 12 pages. The way paper creatures work is uh-huh. kind of nurturing it from like a, just a small draft. And Peter approached it with this kind of verbatim piece of him. Um, it was based on experience of him and his friend that were sectioned, and he approached me with these 12 pages. And I guess even from like that infant stages, you're right, you kind of immediately something that's so kind of sensitive and, cro- and kind of requires so much authenticity and sensitivity behind it. And already, just in the 12 pages, that kind of was like so apparent that it had that yeah. already and that it was dealt with kind of very maturely but also didn't didn't give you answers, didn't didn't skirt around the edges of it, address something quite directly yeah. and in like a real time play. I mean that's also like a gift, I yeah. think, as well, having something that you just can't escape from it's an hour and it just unfolds before you. But I think it's it's something that I love about Pete's writing as well is it doesn't give you answers, it doesn't offer up a clear solution because when it comes to mental health, I don't think you know, there isn't a clear solution. Yeah, and there's no, and it doesn't offer you up answers at the end of the piece. It leaves a lot of, that's what we were trying to get, I guess, with that last scene as well as something we talked about a lot, that you can, yeah, that Pete's writing never kind of gives clear-cut um, emotions or answers that audience are meant to feel, I guess. Well. Yeah, there's like a glimmer of hope, yeah. right? And But still this kind of unknown mm, kind of yeah. vibe as well, which is really powerful, I think. Um, another thing I think was really powerful is the the, uh, the scene changes and transitions seem to like capture this. Oh, why do you smile? Seem to yeah. capture this like what I can only imagine to be this kind of calm but chaotic mm. uh, confusion. Um, so uh, that led me to think what kind of research you must have done, like mm. speaking to people like Carl, and, and like what, what kind of research did you do to. Because to, clearly something yeah. clicked in your head, because I felt like I really understood inside the mind of Cam for a moment, with, a just with those transitions. From the cast, really. Yeah. In terms of us sending off, and like something that I want to explore in the transitions was we don't. A lot of the story is about the people surrounding Cam that we actually get in the dialogue. We get to a sense, like not a huge amount of dialogue from Cam himself in terms of his inner state. He doesn't yeah. give that much away, so to speak. So something that we decided quite early on was in the transitions, they would be from Cam's frame of mind always. Yeah. And they would be what he's going through in every time. And we'd try and capture. And Nate, well, everyone did a lot of kind of detailed research, but we tried to do it from their character's point of view. So come yeah. armed with what their character would know. Yeah. So Nate shared a lot of, of that himself. Um, 
which was like fascinating in the early stages because yeah. it's not a play you, you have to do such detailed research yeah yeah it's sure you can, yeah. well it totally came across in, in even just in the scene changes like I felt it, although Cam doesn't speak much mm. uh, yeah those transitions spoke volumes I thought um, from these guys and yeah, exactly. Yeah. So moving on to you guys, uh, you know what? What again? Research-wise, how do you, you, you? First of all, you smashed it. Both, <laughs> all of you. Are you still um, what? Where do you start with something like that? Because it's a similar thing as what I was asking Georgie. You know, you get this play that's a very sensitive thing, and you are exposed, and your vulnerability was on point, in my opinion, and. Uh, yeah, you. Where do you start with that? Um, where did you start? With yeah, that? it's funny because we all did so much research actually individually. I did, I, but it was it was as Georgie mentioned so specific yeah. to them, and I guess I kind of I knew that these guys would bring to the table. How does a low security unit work? What what are the technicalities and semantics of living in a um, uh, mental health facility after you've been sectioned. And so I guess I just really wanted to try my best to get into the mind of what it might be like if you're, um, I guess, suffering the symptoms of whatever causes you to be sectioned. Yeah. And that's the interesting thing is because there are so many different reasons why you can be sectioned. You know, you could it could be from OCD, it could be from, you know, mad depression, it could be from uh, such a huge variety of reasons. And I guess it was first about, you know, looking at the text and figuring out, okay, well, what is it that Cam might have um, without putting too firm... A finger on it, but you can at the very least see the symptoms. Yeah, and there are like strong, uh, strong. There is strong evidence of paranoia. Yeah, um, bipolar, uh, lots of different kinds of things like that, and and then it was just a matter of talking to people, talking to as many people as I could, and that's the one of the most best. The best thing that I came from doing this is how incredibly open people were to talk about their experiences like yeah. Carl and um, the two others who did the um, videos and then you know talk, friends who I had no idea yeah. in my life had been sectioned before and it does kind of feel like something that you shouldn't ask someone it, it, it is it's something that just doesn't come up in conversation yeah. I think about. it also shows that people want to speak about it though as soon as you say oh yeah, yeah. I'm doing this play about this yeah. people suddenly you find people opening up and think that just shows something people yeah. actually like want to yeah like, totally opportunity. I mean I just met Carl just before the show and, yeah. I, and I still even now have, uh, already having seen the play a week ago and, and everything I still had this kind of like because uh, I knew I was going to be asking you questions yeah, and yeah. I, so I kind of said do you mind if we talk about it? It was like, yeah, yeah, yeah of course, man. Yeah. Don't, like, Go for it. Yeah. yeah, and this is what kind of opened it up for you, right? That was the start of it, was, was talking yeah, yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, which is amazing. I, I just want to ask you one more question, actually, Carl. Sure. Like, Go what, for it, yeah. See, how does it feel to you, see, for you, seeing an experience that you've lived kind of firsthand sure. played out on stage um, um, in this kind of scenario? You know, what, it, what, it sounds what, quite weird to say it's gratifying, but it is. Yeah. In the sense of... Um, media portrayals and things like theatre and film have enormous power and enormous cultural influence 
I mean, in the play, one flew over the cuckoo's nest is mentioned, yeah. and I hate that film because <laughs> <laughs> it's just so it's just fostered a very toxic belief about yeah. what psychiatric wards and things like that look like. Um, so definitely, we we shouldn't really underestimate the enormous power that media has because that film came out in the seventies and it's still having a massive influence. Well, yeah, it's still um, uh, yeah. so it's still in people's heads. Yeah. So de- so definitely when. Um, I see um, a piece of theatre that that is a- accurate and that is sometimes brutally honest yeah. is is fantastic for me as a viewer, um, just because it's sort of railing against that sort of cultural image that's sort of dug its heels in. Yeah, absolutely. Right, thank you, um, Esme. Uh, uh, often, as in films such as One Flew One Flew uh, Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Your character is typically kind of seen as evil. the bad guy, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the evil yeah, yeah. one, just wants to drug everyone up and keep them locked <laughs> away forever. Um, <laughs> so again, sort of similar. Where, where do you start approaching that? Because that that is, you know, certainly how I see. It, I feel embarrassed to say, it, but certainly how you know I've had family who are, who uh, you know older family who've suffered from dementia, and I see my mom and my dad kind of going against those pe- the people yeah. who are looking yeah. after them or whatever. Yeah. So, so what was that like to sort of try and delve into that world? Did you speak to anyone in that, who was in yeah. that kind of situation? I've, I've, I've spoke to a number of people, but a friend of mine has worked in a low-secure unit, and yeah. um, as has her partner, and she was really valuable, because partly because she helped me to think of it in very, in, as being very ordinary. I think that the thing that was really important for me was to get a sense that this is Rachel's job, she goes to this place every day. It's it's not. She's not in heightened circumstances most of the time. You know, it's. I think for me, it was trying to piece together this sense of what her days look like, what her shifts are like, what what she does before and after. And obviously, sometimes things are going to be very very stressful, but sometimes things are going to be very calm. And I think the the relationship with Cam is is actually a very positive one for her. And I think a lot of the the tension comes from. As she says, she doesn't really know him. She's, she's doing her best, yeah. but all of his family and friends are going to feel a kind of antagonistic towards her, and she knows that's her that's part of her role. I right. think. Yeah. So it's kind of just about absorbing people's frustrations and anger and stress, and recognizing that they have to do that, and yeah. that that's part of her role. But that also. I think it's the kind of listening and responding. We talked a lot about Rachel pivoting around. It's all being initiated by someone else, by Cam or by Kay or by Pete, and that Rachel is kind of responding a lot of the time. And that was um, really helpful that she's not she's not actually enforcing things. A lot of the time she's responding to things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I, th- and I think trying to find the fun in her day because she does it for a living, right? Yeah, she's, yeah. So, dumb, so absolutely. Trying to yeah. find the things she's going to enjoy and the things that she's going to feel positive and good about because otherwise she would go home every night and <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. um, it would be a horrendous nightmare. So I think um, I enjoyed that the sort of exploring the, the positive it, side of what that she's doing. came across really well. The the relationship between uh, Cam and Rachel is is just lovely to see. Um, and yeah, there's so much care and so much heart in yeah. it, and I really saw that. And so, yeah, congratulations. It, I just wanted to point out yeah. that you mentioned, as May mentioned, kind of like physicality 
And I think it was really good that Georgie had a very good instinct to bring in um, a movement director oh, yeah. with yeah. his <laughs> Someone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> had a good instinct to get Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, but, yeah. and it, it was wonderful in rehearsals because yeah. this could, this could be something in which people would think about very, very intellectually, yeah. but it's around in two days of table work. Right, right. Yeah. But I think one of the best ways in was to like get up on our feet and find out how do we all relate with each other physically, physically. you know, um, Things like that, and we had uh, an amazing movement director, Amy Warren, who um, was so playful and explorative, and with Georgie on all of that. And I thought, I, I really do think that that is was essential mm. to being able to get to where we are currently with this. And she was very, very militant on finding the love and hope. Yeah. Yes, which I think was so important, and something that I guess I. You know, as you maybe tend to steer towards the drama of something, yeah, yeah. and she was like, "No, yeah. find the love, yeah. find the hope." That's what people like live and die on these places. What everyone's holding on, yeah, exactly. Find yeah. that, and then the drama will come as like a fallback in a way. But I think that's something we discovered. Right. It's beautiful. It's so funny because you're talking to people about their experiences, and even watching and listening to podcasts about documentaries about people in it. You, when people are going through psychosis the amount of times that has actually happened is actually for a lot of people quite rare and a lot of times it's them talking, having fun, trying to pass the time, you know, trying to make good of the situation and I think that it is a lot of people striving to be normal I don't want to, I think normal is the wrong word for it because what define normal yeah. but Striving to have fun, which you know how we how we all do on a day to day basis. You know they're not sitting around and moping. There's there is a, such a positivity in these places, in amidst the well chaos and confusion. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, talking too much. Uh, we'd like to open it up now to anyone who would like to ask a question to uh, to any of these guys. Um, so please, if anyone has a question. Uh, right. Yeah. Ali, we obviously with this play wanted to, there to be an outreach element to this. What can we as an audience now do to spread that word, do more help? What can we do as spectators of this play? Yeah, um, well, definitely become more informed, I think. And uh, Mine's website is just a, you know, a wash with information about mental health. Um, be there for your friends and learn more about mental health and more mental health literate. Be there for your friends and family. Um, support Mind in any way that you can. Um, and also, um, there's a review at the moment of Mental Health Act legislation. So if you want to know more about that, you can campaign with Mind. You can find out more. You can help influence that. Amazing. Anyone else? Yes, sir. Could, I'm, I'd like to say something really to say to Carl. That is okay. extraordinary video, <laughs> which I thought was incredibly moving. I'm a GP, um, so a lot of general practices involved around mental health, and sure. I have had a section of people in the past. Sure. Um, and I thought your your piece was so extraordinary. I thought it was incredibly moving, and I thought the play captured so much of that of of how section in which 
to most of the public is incredibly scary and yeah. has a lot of stigma attached to it. And I thought you captured some of the positive aspects of it. It's it's a very difficult process to go through from, sure. from a doctor's point of view. I can tell you yeah, that. yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> but I thought the play captured some of the some of the positive aspects of that incredibly well. So thank you for all your work. <laughs> thank you. Cheers. Yeah. Any other questions? Before we wrap this up. Don't be shy. <laughs> yes. This um, for you guys here. How does it affect your mental health um, as a human outside of you being an actor here tonight? That makes sense. Yeah. Um, it, 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 not, not a huge amount. Um, I guess, I guess, in, in terms of the fact that it's important to, you know, rehearsals separate it. Yes, separate it, and and I think it's fair to say that rehearsals were a bundle of laughs mm-hmm. and they had to be because you know we were I think we were very good and George was very good at guiding that and allowing it to be a place in which we could really laugh and, and muck around and then when we needed to focus and open and and deal with these kind of you know really extreme circumstances mm-hmm. um, and I think that that's what I've tried to carry on into life I've tried to have as much fun outside of it as I can um, so that when I, when I come here, you know, I can be whatever it needs me to be. I think I felt there was a point with the research when I realised I'd, I'd gone down a bit of a rabbit hole and I, and I was listening to too much. I, I'd got really into, there were, there were a couple of podcasts that we listened to mm. and initially great and I was and then I just kept listening and listening and thinking about it and then I partly I realized that wasn't useful for Rachel because actually what I was doing was getting lost in thoughts about about what that experience I was I was thinking too much about being calm and and then I had to sort of and I think that's when I got very particular about detail about what's my day look like and because I think it there's so much interesting information out there and and there are some incredible podcasts where people talk so openly and honestly at length and it's fascinating, but I think then there can be a sense of getting quite, yeah, weighted down in that. So I think then it was a case of let's be precise here and let's be methodical and um, and make clear divisions and boundaries, and that was really useful. Yes. incredibly powerful legislation in terms of how it deprives you of your liberty um, so there's all sorts of things I mean the play touched on something about um, who your nearest relative is and is it right that that could be your parents if you're estranged from your parents if you don't know your parents at all and, and so it's things like that within the act actually there's things that perhaps need to be to be reviewed need to be be updated because it, it's quite you know it's quite an old piece of legislation now um, and so so people can get in, involved in that and definitely come uh, look at Minds website find out more about that, find out more about how you can campaign and have your voice heard on that. 
Oh, thank you very much. We got it. Yeah. Uh, well, that's it. Sorry. Uh, my bad. Love to keep talking, but uh, that's it. Thank you, ladies and gents, for sticking around. Um, Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.